Welcome to TNT Sports Talk. Today is Tuesday, June 26th. Uh, we are live from our basement in Northeast Ohio. As always, I'm your host, Travis Karczewski, joined by my co-host, Truman Karczewski. How's it going, guys? And we are, as always, presented by D's Home Cuts. Well, one of our this is going to be one of our biggest shows ever because at the end we have an interview from our first professional athlete, uh, Tim Boyle. He's a rookie quarterback with the Green Bay Packers. Um, it's a really great interview. Uh, it was an honor for us to do it. Uh, we've been trying to keep this under wraps for the last week. Uh, we, we posted it yesterday on Twitter, one of our highest rated tweets in terms of favorites and retweets. So we're really excited to bring that to you. It was a really good interview. Uh, Tim was a really cool guy, and it was it was great talking to him. And like I said, it, I know for me and Truman, it was an honor and a dream to talk to a Green Bay Packer and a quarterback. It was really cool. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, any any Packer is a Packer, so I would love to talk to any one of them. Um, you know, he's a quarterback. You know, uh, I you know we kind of been following him throughout OTAs. He's had an impressive you know mini camp and start to the season here. Um, you know, people just the buzz around Green Bay is that this kid can throw the ball around. So um, it's exciting to talk to him. Um, he was a really, really great guy, um, and I know we're pulling for him um, as he goes into training camp and enters this battle with the other quarterbacks. Um, but it was great to talk to just a Green Bay Packer overall. Um, and you know, it is cool to just the the fact that he knows and has said something to Aaron Rodgers at least. Um, makes it even cooler. So, but it was an honor to talk to him. He was a great guy, um, and I hope to have him on um, again. Yeah. So that's like I said, that's at the end of the show. Um, but we're gonna get into basketball. Uh, we're gonna start with the draft. The draft was on Thursday. I know it's kind of been, you know, that was kind of feels like that was a long time ago. But we never we haven't gotten a chance to get into it. So we'll get into some of the storylines here, some of the recap. Obviously, eight went number one. Was no surprise to anyone. Sexton at number eight to the Cavs was interesting. I picked it. Not going to lie. I, that was pretty amazing that I picked that. Um, that's going to be interesting to see. I think Sexton is a good pick for the Cavs. He's a guy who really wants that pressure on their, on his shoulders. He took that number two. He took Kyrie's number. He wants to be the guy who, if LeBron leaves, he wants to carry the torch. And if LeBron stays, he wants to really pair up with LeBron and help the Cavs you know, get back to what they were. I really liked Sexton at number eight. I know Cavs fans wish they took other guys, but Sexton at number eight was a solid pick for them. I mean, if LeBron's leaving, um, the pick should have been Michael Porter Jr. Um, the kid, the the fact that he fell to 15, I believe, 14 to the, 14 to the Nuggets, um, was absolutely insane. Um, I don't understand it. He's you know he's got seven foot wingspan. Um, that injury, yeah, it's a scary injury, but the fact that you let all that development kind of just pass and go down to the Nuggets. Um, that was a steal of draft for Denver. Um, and if I'm Cleveland and I know LeBron's leaving, which I think the Cavs know if he's staying or if he's leaving at this point, I don't think he's gonna. He left them in the dust before the draft. Um, but it could be one of those things. You know, they picked Kyrie when they were rebuilding, um, so they might be just going from the point guard in um, and just completely resetting their team. So I can see that being, um, you know, kind of why they picked him. But I would have picked Michael Porter Jr. I think that was a steal of the draft for Denver. Um, but I do like Sexton at eight for the Cavs. Um, and, and I think it just kind of goes to show that they might be setting to, you know, kind of rebuild here. Yeah, I think Mike, Mike Michael Porter at 14 was probably the steal of the draft. Uh, top three talent if he would have played this year at Missouri. Um, we'll see what happens. I think, he, I think he says he's healthy, but rumors are he's going to have to sit out for a little while. So maybe it's a Markel Fultz, Ben Simmons, and Bede situation where he just sits for a year, 
comes back and just dominates. But we'll see. Another steal I thought was 28. The Celtics, they took Robert Williams at 28. He was a guy we predicted to be a lottery pick. Top 15. Um, he's somebody I was really high on in the tournament. I had him going at 15 to the Wizards. The Celtics got a really good player to replace Al Horford when Al Horford decides to hang it up. Robert Williams is a very young guy, very big, very good center from Texas A&M. That was a huge steal for them. And then at pick 48, second round, the Timberwolves got Kiede Bates-Diop, who from Ohio State was the most dominant player in the Big Ten this year. That's another big steal. He's going to pair really well alongside Towns, a really long athletic wing player who can shoot, grab rebounds, shoot the three. I just don't know why he slipped past slipped into the second round when he's everything NBA teams want. You know, a big guy who can shoot. So I think that's going to really help out the Timberwolves who didn't have a first-round pick, and that's huge for them. Yeah, I mean, I can talk up the Bucks. You know, I love the pick of DiVincenzo. Best um, player. I talked about it um, in our show that he was he was going to be a, one of my favorite picks in the draft, no matter where he went, and the Bucks got him. Um, it wasn't really a need. Um, you know, I mean, it wasn't need. We needed shooters, um, but we needed a big man more. Uh, but I think they, I think that was their guy from the start. Um, and Devin, they picked him. Um, you know, he has absolute ice in his veins. He went in the national championship game and just showed out. Um, so I'm really excited about that. He's an absolute champion, um, which is what we need. Um, but other than that, I, I, you know, if you look at the top five, um, I really like what the Mavericks did. I think Doncic's a good player for them. Um, you know, if they just give him some time to develop into an NBA player, you know. The talent that he played in the EuroLeague, wherever he played, is not even close to the NBA. So he's going to take some time to develop. But I think once he does, I think he's going to be a very good player. Um, I also like the Hawks. Uh, you know, it shows that uh, Schroeder's going to be gone. But the pick of Trey Young, you know, the development there, you know, the ceiling there is very high, and they can get a star player in Trey Young. Um, but you know, I think they're you know getting rid of you know the past players that they had like Schroeder. So that's another player to watch though um, in the upcoming here. Um, he's a good point guard. Other than that, I liked. Uh, I also liked the Grizzlies and Jaron Jackson. I think the Grizzlies um, needed a, a player that's going to go in there and really just start from day one and kind of be a star. And I think out of besides Aiton, out of the rest of the picks in that top five, top ten, Jaron Jackson has the biggest chance to do that. Um, so I think the Grizzlies made a really good selection there um, with him. Yeah. So it was. It was a good night. Not a lot of not a lot of buzz. A couple trades, you know, Mikel Bridges, stuff like that. Not a lot of huge moves, um, you know, earth-shattering moves that I thought was going to happen. I thought the Cavs would trade the eighth pick, but I think my prediction stays true. The Cavs took a player at number eight, so I don't think LeBron's going to stay. I think their key's going to leave, um, but we'll see what happens. Uh, the NBA awards were last night. We're going to get into that a little bit later in our question and answer. So right now we're going to move to football. Uh, we're going to start with the Chiefs. AFC West, we're sticking in there. We're going to do the Chiefs today. So Chiefs last year went 10-6, and six, uh, but they did lose a lot of talent over the offseason. They lost Alex Smith, Marcus Peters, Albert Wilson, Tom Bahali, Derek Johnson, two of their defensive anchors there for a long time. Uh, but they added Sammy Watkins and Kendall Fuller, two pretty good players. Um, they didn't have much in terms of draft, uh, you know, because they traded for the Pat Mahomes pick a year ago. Uh, but this team has talent. Tyreek Hill, one of the best receivers in the NFL, one of the most explosive receivers in the NFL. Kareem Hunt, best young running back in the NFL, um, the rushing leader from last year. Travis Kelsey, right there with Gronk, is the best tight end. 
Uh, Mitchell Schwartz is a solid right tackle. And then Eric Berry, when healthy, is one of the best safeties, if not the best defensive, one of the best defensive players in the NFL. Um, but this year, it's going to rely on Pat Mahomes. If Pat Mahomes doesn't step up, doesn't become you know, what people think he should or will become, this team's going to start to fall. Um, they added a lot. Of, they added some talent around him. They got Kareem Hunt, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, Tyreek Hill. That's a pretty good, you know, stash of weapons for Pat Mahomes. If he doesn't take the step up this year, you know, there's really no excuses. Um, the Chiefs are going to be a franchise that might start to fall here over the next coming years. Yeah, I mean, Andy Reid, in terms of on-the-field coaching, is a top-three coach in the game. Um, you know, his creativeness when it comes to that offense and just the way he makes players better um, is, you know, unbelievable. And I think he solely can get this team to at least 500 with a young quarterback. I do think the Chiefs, in the first year of the Pat Mahomes era, takes a step back. Um, I just think that's how it's going to go. Um, t- players in their first year, they just they don't always see success. Um, you know, I know Aaron Rodgers off the top of my head went 6-10 and 10 in his first year starting. You know, so it's just, it's going to take some time for him to get used to being a starting quarterback and a franchise-changing player. Um, so I don't think it's going to be easy day one, touchdown after touchdown. He's going to have to take a year to develop. He's not there yet. Um, but I think eventually he's going to be a very good quarterback. But I think this year you're going to see some growing pains. Um, and I think you're going to see the Chiefs take a step back. As far as offensively, they have talent all over the place. I don't know about Tyree Kill being one of the best receivers in the game. Yeah. But he's a very good player. He's top 10. Oh, explosiveness no. yes mm. he's one of the most dangerous he's, players yes he's game. one of the most dangerous players in the game but i just can't see him being up there with you know I antonio do. brown julio jones deandre hopkins Devonte adams right there you see him up there yeah. with Devonte adams julio yep. jones antonio yep. brown yep okay well then there he's it. not better than those guys but he's right up there no mm-hmm. um so he's one of the most explosive players in the game and the thing about him is just I talked about Andy Reid. Andy Reid knows how to use him. He knows how to use his speed. He knows how to use, you know, he may not be a sizable guy who can match up with the physicality of some of these corners, but if you get him in the slot and let him move around, he's so much faster, so much more explosive than these corners, um, and that's the thing that he uses. As far as Travis Kelsey goes, I'm very high on Travis Kelsey, and when Gronk isn't healthy, which is usually the case, Travis Kelsey's the best tight end in the game. As far as Kareem Hunt, um, I think he did have a little bit of a show out six games to start the season where he was unbelievable. He took a little bit of a step back, but I think he's still a very good running back. Um, you know, I think teams are going to kind of focus on him this season um, and let Pat Mahomes try to wing the ball around. Um, so that can be, you know, he might take another step back, but he's still a very um, explosive running back for the Chiefs. So I think they have talent all over that offense with the speed of Pat Mahomes. Um, which I think can solely get them some wins. As far as defensively, they lost some talent, um, but I think their defense is always consistent. I can't remember the name of the defensive coordinator over there, but he's always been, he's been around for a very, very long time, um, and he's a smart, smart guy. Um, so I think the Chiefs, they take a step back this year. My prediction is going to be 8-8, eight and eight, um, but I think eventually you're going to start to see the Chiefs and Pat Mahomes take steps forward, but this year it's kind of going to be a growing pain year. I think with a solid Pat Mahomes, I think this is the first time in a while, I think the offense of the Chiefs is going to be better than that defense. That defense has kind of been that anchor there for a long time, but, you know, you saw they lost a lot of key pieces, uh, either to, you know, just cutting them because they were too old, like Tom Ali, or, you know, trading Marcus Peters. But they added Kendall Fuller. He's a really good corner. But I think this year is going to be a year where the offense becomes better than that defense. Uh Losing Nagy, the offensive coordinator, is going to hurt, I think. Uh, he, he, Andy Reid is a very good coach, but I think he was one of the big, you know, 
kind of builders of that offense. He really knew how to use Tyreek Hill. Um, and Andy Reid, Andy Reid's a good offensive mind, but Nagy is also up there, and that's going to hurt. But if Pat Mahomes plays well, I think they do take a little bit of a step back. They go nine and seven. I think this. I think adding Sammy Watkins helps a lot. Uh, he can find some consistency. He's also a very good wide receiver. Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, if Sammy Watkins is half of what everyone thinks he can be or what he has been, this is one of the best one-two punches in the league. Um, and Sammy Watkins, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey right up, up the middle. Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, this is a good team. So 9-7, and seven, I think. That's a pretty Chiefs record, pretty average Andy Reid record. Um, I don't think Andy Reid's a good playoff coach, so I don't think they'll win any Super Bowls with him anytime soon. But 9-7, and seven, that's about it for them. Uh, and that's it for the Chiefs. Uh, so we're going to move now to another NFL story, Julian Edelman. Uh, he's dealing with that four-game PED suspension. Uh, he is appealing it right now. He's kind of doing that Ryan Braun defense where the sample was uh, mishandled. He's claiming that his uh, urine sample was mishandled by the NFL testers. I don't know what's going to come out of this. It's It didn't work for Ryan Braun. He got caught again, but we'll see what happens. Uh, Julian Edelman, if he's out, just another, like I said, another crack in that Patriots system. Yeah, it's. I mean, I feel like it's just almost – an appeal um you know it's just like people are just kind of talking like it's bigger than just an appeal but he's just kind of like trying to figure out what he because a lot of players when they do this they don't know what they took that's illegal because they don't really know what's on the ban list um they're not educated on it i don't think edelman did anything on purpose like to try and hide something but he might have taken a supplement here or there that you know the nfl doesn't allow um he didn't know it so maybe he's just trying to figure out what that was um and kind of appeal that and see if it actually was a big issue um so i don't really know uh what's going to come of this um appeals are 50 50 usually uh he might get it shortened um or it might just stay there at four but i think this is you know it's an interesting story to watch because it is a big piece of the patriots offense for four games but it is the patriots and they should be able to fill that need somewhere Speaking with suspensions, we're going to stay with that. Jameis Winston got suspended on Thursday. Uh, right after the show was put out, he suspended three games for allegedly groping a female Uber driver a couple years ago. And this is, you know, this is Jameis Winston. You knew when he was coming out into the draft, you knew he had some character flaws. Uh, he had a lot of trouble at Florida State, whether it was stealing crab legs from a grocery store or he was accused of rape. Uh, but this is just Jameis Winston. I think. I don't think he's mature enough yet to be the player that the Buccaneers need him to be. Uh, he has all the talent in the world, um, and I I like him as a player. But off the field, he just has a lot lot of lot of off the field problems, and that's not good for the Buccaneers if they want to win with him. And this is just a big blow to the Buccaneers who took a re- he took a step back last year when everyone thought he was going to take a step up, and this is just a this really hurts him. And you know now you got Ryan Fitzpatrick for the first three games who. Decent quarterback, but he's not the type of talent that Jameis Winston is. Now you want to see um, what he can, what he can do, because like you said last year is a step back, um, and people are really trying to figure out if Jameis Winston's really gonna be the franchise quarterback of the Buccaneers. I never really liked Jameis Winston, and never wasn't a fan of him out of college. Um, when it was between him and Mariota, I was a big Mariota guy, um, and I wanted Mariota over Winston, but. The, this is the Buccaneers guy. They invested a first first overall pick on him, so he better step up um, and mature a little bit. 
Um, I know this is from a few years ago, um, and it seems like he has gotten a little bit better as far as maturity goes. But other than that, you know, you just want to see him get, you know, better and take a step forward as a franchise quarterback, and he hasn't done it. Um, but we'll see, you know, as far as the Buccaneers go, Fitzpatrick, he's a good quarterback. Uh, one of my favorite quarterbacks for some reason. Um, but Harvard. I think, yeah, Harvard guy. Uh, he's been around the league for a while. Um, if you want someone there, you'd like Fitzpatrick. Uh, and we'll see what he does when Winston comes back. But I think this year is a huge year for Winston, and this does not help his case. It's a huge year for the Buccaneers, too. Cause they, this is a team that has a lot of talent. They were supposed to step up last year. They were on hard knocks. They, they took a step back. And, you know, Jameis Winston, he he wasn't what people wanted him or thought he could be last year. Uh, Cutter, I think he's on the hot seat this year if they don't perform. And this is just a big blow to that Tampa Bay team, who has a lot of talent. And Now, you remember Cutter here, uh, their off, the now their head coach, was their offense coordinator when they had Lovey Smith. Cutter was took taking interviews around the league to be uh, a head coach somewhere, um, and they fired Lovey Smith after like a very decent, good season um, with a rookie quarterback. They fired Lovey Smith, and just to make Cutter the head coach so they could keep Winston in the same system. Now, will that come back to fire them? Maybe, because Cutter is definitely on the hot seat. He's got one more year, I think, if they don't improve. Um, so that'll be interesting because they let go of a very good head coach after a good season. For this, for an offensive coordinator, just to keep Winston in the same system, and right now it's not working out. Yes, yeah, so we'll see what happens there. But we're gonna move now to baseball. But before that, one to remind you that our show is brought to you by D's Home Cuts. Since D's is the best place around Northeast Ohio for a great haircut at a low price for only seven dollars, D's Home Cuts will provide you with a modern haircut and styling. Truman and I have been getting our haircuts there for the last couple months, and we have never looked or felt better. I actually got a cut yesterday. Uh, it was a great time. You sit in the chair. You know, you play Fortnite, whatever. You got the PS4 set up. It's really a great time, and it's only $7. You get a really good haircut. The cuts get better every single time you go into Dee's because he is always upgrading his equipment so he can give you the best haircut possible. You can find Dee's Home Cuts on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, the link in the bio, you can set up an appointment easily. Uh, no hassle. Just pick a date, pick a time, put your information down, and you're ready to roll. Uh, Dee's Home Cuts, professional haircuts at a low price. So baseball, we're getting into that all-star break that's coming soon, uh, but not a lot of storylines. So we were going to give, you know, at this point, our top five power rankings uh, up to this point. Uh, we'll start at number five. This number five spot, I went back and forth between the Indians and the Brewers. I decided to give the Brewers the edge. I'll put them at number five. Now, they did lose. They lost two straight. And if the Indians would have won last night, I would have put the Indians there because that would have been eight straight wins. Uh, but they did lose to the Cardinals last night, 4 nothing. So I put the Brewers there. Brewers have been all been a bit of an overachieving team this year. I, I, I I'm not so. saying I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. Uh, I think they're surpassing expectations this year, being in the top five of ML, MLB teams. But we'll see what happens. Brewers, Sherman Kimmett, this have been a team that always starts hot and falls off, you know, right when it matters the most. So will this team step up? I don't know. We'll have to watch out. Uh, but they have lost two straight. Uh, I don't. I think they play the Royals tonight. They do. So that'll be a good series for them to get back on track. Uh, in going hot into that all-star break. So I'm going to go Brewers at number five. Um, I have the Braves at number five. Um, they're 44 and 32. Um, this is a team, if you really want to talk about overachieving, um, it's the Braves. Everyone expected this was going to be a rebuild year for the Braves. Um, and that young talent, those young pieces are coming together a little bit earlier than expected. Uh, they're one of the best teams in the NL. Um, you know, it looks like 
they could be making a playoffs, which in my mind is crazy because no one expected that. Um, but I'm going to put the Braves at number five for now. Number four, I'll put the Diamondbacks. Uh, this is a team that kind of started average playoff team last year. They started 26-26. But they over the last couple weeks, they've really stepped up. You know, Robbie Ray, who's been that kind of uh, dominant pitcher in that rotation with Zach Greinke, he was hurt. Uh, but this rotation has stepped up. Clay Buckles, veteran, you know, kind of just a guy who would go out there and throw you five, four to five decent innings. But he has really stepped up. And this is really going to help them because they're going to get Robbie Ray back here soon. Um, he's pitching in AAA right now. He'll be back probably over the weekend. Paul Goldschmidt, who started average, is now in, going insane out of his mind hitting-wise. So I think the Diamondbacks deserve this number four spot because I would not want to face them right now. Um, for me, number four is the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, they're 45-32, and 32, best record in the NL. Um, listen, this team is making me so happy. Um, you know, they have, you know, faltered over the past two weeks in saying that they've kind of been 500 ball. You know, they, they've been winning some and they've been losing some. And they haven't been as consistent um, the past few weeks. Um, but, you know, this week we play the Royals and the Reds. This, these are two teams that haven't been playing good at all, um, even though the Reds just swept the Cubs over the weekend. Um, but this is a week that where we should be able to get back on track consistent-wise and win some of these games, um, which is even better. And that's that kind of made me put them even higher on my list because I think eventually they're going to be higher. Um, but listen, yeah, they've been a team that has been known to falter off um, as the year goes on. But this year, I feel like we got the pieces finally. Um, you know, Yelich is a franchise-changing player. Um, he's our franchise. Um, he's an amazing player. As we've been wanting someone like this for a while now, um, you know, since Braun was. Um, but now, and then you put Kane, who has been playing absolutely out of his mind. He's another franchise player. Um, you know, he's a little bit older. He's got experience. He's a World Series caliber player. Um, but... The, these, the team has got more experience now, and I think Kane is kind of being that leader in the locker room. Um, like I said, he's won a World Series with the Royals. Uh, so this this year, I feel, is just something different. So I'm going to put the, the Brewers at four for now. Okay. Uh, number three, Brewers don't have the best record in the MLB, actually. The they're, NL. And they're, no, they're not. They're tied. They're with the Braves. No, the Braves are... F- Braves are 45-32. and 32, Oh, they won last night. They won last night. All right, fact check his ass. Uh, then we're going to go with number three, Yankees. Uh, I think the Yankees are ahead in that uh, in their division right now, just barely over the Red Sox. But I think the Yankees uh, are at number three. I think the Red Sox have more talent. They just haven't really put together Yankees number three. Yeah, I'm going to go Yankees at three, too. Red Sox, I have number two. Again, too much talent, but uh, they just can't surpass my number one. So Red Sox, number two. Red Sox, two. Houston, number Houston one. one. Yeah, Houston's just been an absolute wagon this year they're one of the best teams in the league um i think they'll easily cruise into the playoffs um then we're gonna go now to a segment we started last week i started last week called what would have happened this is where we go back sports moments what would have happened if something if it happened differently if that makes sense last week we did what would happen if there was no rain delay in 2016 Today we're gonna do Cavs fans what would have happened if lebron didn't le- what would have happened if lebron didn't leave in 2010 so, like I said, the year was 2010, July 8th. Me and Truman gathered at the BW3s in our hometown to watch the decision on ESPN. One of the most wild things that have ever happened, I think, in all sports, for a guy to go on national television and announce where he was going to play basketball next year. Usually, that type of thing, you know, just kind of 
comes across the ticker on the bottom of ESPN or something like that, to nationally televise that on television was insane. And it really changed the way people viewed LeBron. He was he, he kind of was became more than just a regular NBA player, I think, at that point. Um, but he announced that he was going to the Miami Heat. Cleveland exploded. Everybody hated him instantly. Jerseys were being burned in the streets. Rocks were being thrown at his sign up on the building outside of the arena. It was it was a wild night. Um, and it really hurt Cavs fans for a long time. So now, what would have happened if he would have stayed? I think if he would have stayed, the Cavs wouldn't have won a championship in 2016. I don't think, because they wouldn't have had Kyrie... Um, they wouldn't have been, they would have kind of been a team who maybe they would have squeaked into a championship and then gotten beat by the Spurs or something like that. Uh, I don't think he would have won. I don't think he would have gotten that kind of experience. I think, I think going to Miami, it kind of taught him that you need a lot of all-stars and a lot of talent around you to really make a serious run at, um, the championship. So I don't think he would have won in 2016. So at the end of the day, I think it was kind of a good thing for LeBron to leave if I was a Cavs fan. Um, I think they would have won. Um, I don't maybe not in 2016, but I think they would have won. Would have won a little bit earlier. Um, I think eventually LeBron would have commanded a guy to come to Cleveland, um, another superstar. Maybe he told Dan Gilbert, "Hey, I'll stay." In 2010, he told Dan, "I'll stay if you get someone for me," and they eventually do that. Um, but then you look at the East. If LeBron stayed in Cleveland, Miami wouldn't have been a powerhouse for four years. Um, you had some good battles with Miami, the Pacers, and Cavs. Yeah, and I think the Cavs, they would have eventually gotten over the hump and won one. Um, but I think at this point, an interesting one for me, Kevin Durant wouldn't have left the Thunder um, if LeBron didn't leave the Cavs. I think Kevin Durant saw what LeBron did leaving the leaving the Cavs for the Heat and kind of felt like he could do the same thing for leaving the Thunder for the Warriors. Um, so you saw LeBron, uh, Kevin Durant kind of used LeBron as kind of an excuse to kind of, you know. Yeah, and I'm sick and tired of Cavs fans, and I know if we had one in studio, they'd argue on argue with me on this. I know it's not the same thing, but in theory it is. LeBron left for a super team. Kevin Durant left for a super team. Now, Kevin Durant's decision was worse because they, he lost to the Warriors um, in the Western Conference Finals. LeBron didn't lose to the Heat. but But I think that... Kevin Durant would have not left the Thunder, um, but because I don't think he would have had the experience to see someone like him, like a superstar like him, leave for a super team. Um, but I think that's an interesting one that would wouldn't have happened. Yeah, I think if LeBron would have left, I think the Spurs would have another championship. Uh, I think you know the Mavericks. I think would have won uh, easily again, but I don't think the Cavs would ha- would have gotten to a championship. Maybe they would have squeaked through. But I just don't think LeBron... I think that going to Miami, as odd as it sounds because he is LeBron, I think it gave LeBron a little bit of confidence to stand up to you know owners like Dan Gilbert and stuff like that um, and demand that he needs star players to win. Um, I think going to Miami kind of taught him what how to build a team to win a championship. It's not going to be you know where you just add you know guys past their prime like Ben Wallace or you know role players like Wally Zerbiak and try to make a run like that. I think he knew he he knew that you need players like Chris Bosh, like Dwayne Wade, proven superstars to win. 
And that's why he went back to Cleveland. Because he knew, you know, they had Andrew Wiggins, who they could trade to get Kevin Love. And they had Kyrie, who was a superstar. And it, it, we didn't do much research on it, but it, it would have been interesting to see. Because where would have Kyrie, you know, ended up if, you know, LeBron didn't leave? He wouldn't have been in Cleveland. I don't know where he would end up. Maybe Minnesota. 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 They picked uh, Derek. Derek Williams. Derek Williams. And number two. So it's interesting. Um, and obviously, I don't think they would have Tristan Thompson then either. So I don't know. It's kind of interesting to see, you know, one thing happens, how it affects, you know, where we're at today. And, you know, that relationship between Dan Gilbert and LeBron wouldn't have been as torn up as it is now. Maybe LeBron stays in Cleveland, you know, forever. You Maybe never know. he leaves in a few years after 2010. You never know. Uh, but it is interesting to look back at those. And we're going to keep doing those. Those are kind of fun. Uh, we'll do another one uh, in a little bit. But now we're going to get to question and answer. But before that, I wanted to remind you that our show is brought to you by A's Lawn Service. Since 2014, A's has been providing professional landscaping to many homes around Northeast Ohio. By using professional equipment, A's constantly strives to provide families with professional landscaping at a low and fair price. Are you tired of being dragged around by bigger landscaping companies? Hell yeah. yeah. Turn to A's and trust me, your lawn your home will never look better. Trust A's for all your landscaping needs and you will not be disappointed. The phone number is 330-241-2392, 330-241-2392, and the email is lawnservice.a's at gmail.com. A's Lawn Service LLC, you grow it, we cut it. So we do got to go a little bit quicker than we wanted because of the interview. Uh, but one of the questions and answers we had, were, what was our NBA war predictions? Obviously, that happened last night. So we'll just go through them, you know, give our reaction to it. Uh, I think the most highly contested award last night was MVP. James Harden won. Everyone kind of predicted he was going to win. But I know Cavs fans especially are pissed. They think LeBron should have won. And I think LeBron should have won probably because you think, you know, most valuable player, you know, is LeBron. If the Cavs didn't have LeBron, he would they would not have went to the championship. I think he, one of the interesting questions was, what if Harden was on the Cavs instead of LeBron? Would the Cavs still went to the championship? I don't think so. Uh, but Harden had a good year. He's been kind of chasing that, that MVP for a while. And it's cool to see now if you think about it. The, the, now the Thunder, a couple years ago, had three MVPs on their roster and Harden, Westbrook, and Kevin Durant, and they still couldn't win. So that's interesting to see. I think LeBron should have won, but Harden, it's well-deserved. Yeah, I liked Harden there, but, you know, LeBron, I think we saw during the play. I know it's a regular season award, but we saw during the playoffs, LeBron was definitely the most valuable player in the NBA. Then we have Coach of the Year, Dwayne Casey. Again, another another interesting choice because he was fired. Uh, and it was awkward watching the Raptors congratulate him on Twitter because, you know, you fired him, but he was – Supposedly the best coach in the NBA. Yeah, well-deserving, though. Um, but you could have gone a lot of guys there. Uh, but I think it was very, very well-deserved. I mean, that's another thing. You really break it down. I think Brad Stevens is the best coach in the NBA. But Yeah. But and then most improved, Oladipo. That was deserved. He really upped his game this year. Uh, defense, Rudy Gobert, again, really deserved. Uh, rookie of the year, Ben Simmons, you know, him and Donovan Mitchell were right there, but I think Ben Simmons is going to be one of the best players in the league in a couple of years. Uh, and Donovan Mitchell, but I think Simmons is just a once-in-a-generational talent. And then sixth man, Lou Williams, not surprising. Uh, he's a guy, easily comes off the bench and scores you 30, and that was well-deserved. 
Um, but that's it for question and answer. Now we're going to go to our interview with Tim Boyle. Uh, it was a good interview. We hope you listen uh, and you know learn about his experiences in Green Bay and enjoy it. Uh, Green Bay Packers quarterback, rookie uh, Tim Boyle. Um, how's, how's, how's it uh, to be introduced as a Green Bay Packer? Yeah. It's still a little surreal, you know what I mean? I was uh, I was just actually at an elementary school talking about, you know, being – being young and my dream was to be an NFL quarterback and now it's, uh, it's, it's being fulfilled. So still surreal, but at the same time, you know, I have to, I have to snap back into place and realize that I'm a professional now and I have to start acting like it. So, um, you know, definitely pinch myself every once in a while, but it's, it's definitely a blessing and I'm, I'm very honored. After, after the draft, when you went undrafted, you get a lot of calls from a bunch of different teams. Yeah, there were a couple of teams that called me. Um, I think the, the Browns, Vikings, not Vikings, Browns, uh, Raiders called. Um, but when I uh, – I think I had my, my position locked up at, at, at Green Bay, uh, you know, midway through the seventh, and I felt comfortable because I, I took the visit, felt comfortable with the staff and the, and the people who surrounded me. So uh, very comfortable fit. I'm glad I made the choice because I love the team. It's been a great fit. Yeah, so um, what are your goals going into training camp preseason? You just got through OTAs. You know, you, you had yeah. – uh, an impressive OTAs, according to some some uh, sources around uh, Green Bay. Uh, so, what are your goals going into training camp and preseason? Yeah, my goal is just to continue to to understand the offense and, and progress mentally and physically within the offense. Uh, I think the big thing for me right now is just understanding conceptually what I have to do and making sure that I'm physically, um, you know, matching the two up. So. Um, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a fight, you know, getting into uh, getting into training camp and getting reps and trying to understand the uh, the offense as fast as I can. Just you know, uh, it's always a challenge trying to learn a new learn a new system as fast as you can. But um, you know, my my goal is to do as best as I can. You know, just can control the controllables and and uh, do the best I can and leave uh, leave the rest up to uh, the people who make the uh, the call. So you were at uh, Connecticut for three years. I was, yep. Yeah. Uh, and you had three different coaches in three years. Yes, sir. And then you went to uh, Eastern Kentucky. Uh, is it kind of easier to learn the playbook because you've had to learn, you know, so many yeah. different playbooks? And yeah, so many- 100% it is. It's, uh, most concepts, you know, wherever you go or whoever's your coach are, are the same. So you run the same plays for the most part. You, you have some adjustments here and there. Uh, but the biggest difference is just what, they, what they're called. Um, so, you know, one, one year you call this play, you know, Trojan, and the next year you call it sit go you know what I mean so it's just trying to change the words in your head but the concepts you understand you know I, I had five you know four different offenses in college with which as much as that was a was a not not a very good thing and then the moment because you want to get in a rhythm but also talking mm-hmm. about taught me a lot about football a lot about uh scheme uh so I think mentally I'm, I'm a pretty developed quarterback just so I can understand different offenses and stuff, and stuff like that yeah, so you said you went through a couple off, few offenses. Um, so, what was your what's the biggest difference? Would you say from a college playbook at Connecticut or Eastern Kentucky to a Green Bay Packer playbook in the NFL? Just the just the fine details of making sure everything is is perfect. You know, in college, if you run a twelve yard out, you know sometimes you get a twelve yard out, sometimes you get a fourteen, sometimes you get a ten, but everything here is systematic and it's on point. You know, if you're running a a 12-yard curl, your your foot's hitting the in 12 yards, and you're coming back to the ball. And and I think the volume too, a little bigger of an offense, you know, a lot mm-hmm. more a lot more on the quarterback from a 
from a checking, you know, play standpoint. But, you know, all things that I've done, just it's just more volume at that point. So um, I'm comfortable doing it, but it's just trying to get comfortable as fast as I can doing it. So what do you think your biggest strength is as a quarterback? I think my biggest strength, uh, I think I'm smart. I can process things as they come at me. Uh, I think I have a big, strong arm. I can stand in the pocket and deliver some balls. So I think those are my strengths right now. Um, so, you know, you got a couple calls from a couple teams, and you mentioned, you know, you felt right in the system in Green Bay, and that's why you chose here. But, you know, did you know, like, the tradition about Green Bay, and did that any what affect your decision here? I always knew of Green Bay when I was a little kid, you know, high school, college, and how historic it was. Um, but I truthfully had no clue how much – tradition and history is there until I got to Green Bay and I got, uh, you know, I got to see everything. And it's, it, it truly is unreal. It's a first-class organization. The family atmosphere is amazing. Um, but when it came down to making the choice, I mean, it, I don't, I wouldn't say it had a huge part. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's obviously cool being able to say, you know, you play for the Green Bay Packers and, and the first thing people think about the Green Bay Packers is championships and history and tradition. So it, it, it's, it's, it's an honor to be able to wear the G, um, no doubt. But, you know, when it comes down to making a choice as to where you want to play, you need to look at the, the quarterback situation, if you're, if you're comfortable with the location, the system, the people around you, which Green Bay was all a hit for me. So it, was, uh, it went well. Uh, so what was it like when you first walked into Lambeau Field? It was pretty remarkable. I didn't really know what to expect. Um, but, I mean, just just thinking about all the history and the wins and the – championships that were won it's just it's it's unreal and the fact that i get to play in it is uh, such a blessing and i can't wait to do it come free season yeah so you're in a quarterback room now where you obviously got the aaron Rodgers, you got yep. brett huntley and you got the sean kaiser those are some guys who've started some football games in the nfl yep. Yep. um how is it getting to know all of them and you know getting experience from guys who have yeah, no, it's, and played in played in a lot of football games it's been great. You know, Aaron's been good. Um, you know, little little tidbits here and there of things that I can do to improve my game uh, on and off the field. So he's been great. Uh, Brett and Deshaun have been tremendous with me. You know, we're all pretty much the same age there. So, um, you know, we're, we're able to communicate and see what we're seeing. And, and uh, it, it, that's, that's been very smooth. And they've been very willing to help me. Uh, Deshaun's taken me under, under his wing a little bit just from a just seeing a defense and how to how to understand certain things, so they've been very helpful. Um, it's a great room. We have a bunch of fun. Our quarterback coach has been great too. So it's uh, it's been a great a great couple of months for me so far. Uh, is it kind of and like you said, you know, they've been great to you. But was it kind of intimidating at first to you know kind of ask questions to these guys? Because I mean, yeah, I mean, at, at first, you know, your 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 role as a rookie is kind of just be there, learn, you know, keep your mouth shut, you know, eyes and ears open. I didn't want to, you know, step out of my boundaries there. So as I progressed in the offense and we got a little bit more comfortable with each other, you know, that's when I started to open up and kind of show my personality and ask those questions. But, you know, at first it's, you know, you don't want to be in the way. You kind of just want to learn, you know, from a, from a humble distance. And, you know, especially when you have a guy like Aaron in front of you who's, who's been doing it for, you know, going on 14 years, it's it truly is unreal being able to learn and practice and be in meetings with him. But, um, yeah, they've been great. You know, it, at first it was a little intimidating, you know, because you don't really know guys. But as as your relationship grows with them, you get a little more comfortable, and it's it's been smooth sailing since then. Uh, so the Packers have, you know, a new offense coordinator, Joe Philbin, and then yep. a new quarterback coach, Signetti. Yep. Uh, 
is it kind of hard for them to, you know, they're back in a new organization? Has it been kind of difficult for them to, you know, start the whole playbook, new offense, stuff like that? No, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of carryover from from previous offenses. You know, when when most offensive coordinators come into a system, they don't try to change a whole lot. You know, mm-hmm. a lot a lot of the verbiage tries to stay the same, but uh, I don't think it's going to be that big of a adjustment for them. Um, but you know, those coaches have been doing it for a long time, so. Uh, even if they, they were to go down that road, they they do a great job of adjusting to it. Yeah, so your familiarity, um, obviously you're in a new team with new players, uh, the familiarity with the receivers and the tight ends, how does that come over? You know, you got a lot of rookies. Um, yep. You know, we drafted three I know of, and there's yep. some undrafted guys there. How yep. does your familiarity with those guys um, help, you know, in OTAs and training camp? Yeah, I mean, since since we all got picked up from the Packers, whether it be drafted or undrafted, you know, we've, all the rookies have been together pretty much every day, you know, doing the same meetings, the same long grind every day. So we, we get to build those relationships, especially well with, with the rookies. So I have, I have good relationships with EQ, um, Keith, and then uh, Jim on. So they've been, they've been great. They're really good, talented players. Um, they've been definitely picking up their, their game in terms of mentally. It, it, when you come in as a receiver and you have all this playbook in front of you, it's hard to digest it. They've been doing a great job, and I think minicamp was huge for them. But um, the young tight ends, too, Ryan and uh, and, and uh, Kevin have been great. Uh, those are probably one of my two closest friends right now. They've been uh, outstanding. And just making sure you build that relationship off the field because, you know, when you trust someone off the field, it, it definitely it plays a factor when you play on the field. So it's uh, it's been smooth. Those guys are all talented, and I'm, I'm lucky to play with them. Going back to the fans a little bit, uh, how excited are you to you know participate in like the biking, biking the training camp stuff oh, like that? I, I can't wait for that. That's that's tradition rich, that I can't wait to be a part of, and it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a blast, and it's gonna it's gonna make me smile ear to ear. Especially like family night, you know, it's you know practice and it's a yep. sold out or sold out stadium. That's yep. gonna be pretty crazy for okay, you know I, quarterback for you. I can't wait for that. It's gonna be unreal, and just being able to be around family and friends and have a good night. Uh, get to show off, you know, the facilities. It'll be uh, it'll be a fun night. So it's uh, it'll definitely be exciting. Uh, so what was your kind of like, oh shit, I'm in the NFL moment? Um, that was probably when I took my visit uh, to the Packers. It was, it was probably like a month before the draft, and I was in the locker room changing, um, and I saw Aaron right after like a workout, and I was like, oh wow, that's Aaron Rodgers. And then I sat in my locker room and I was changing, and I was like, I'm putting on Green Bay Packers stuff right now. I mean, yeah. This is this is real stuff right now. Um, but, I mean, you, you, it, it is surreal, but then you have to kind of snap back into reality of, all right, well, now I have a responsibility to to represent the, the organization well. And it, you, you can't – most of the time you can't really take a step back and be like, oh, wow, this is cool because you're in it and you have to be you have to be involved in it 24-7. So it's as, as much of a blessing as it is. Um, you know, you kind of have to settle into the position that you're in and kind of, you know, be humble and, and take it and, uh, and and be good about it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's like a, you know, this two-month gap in between OTAs and training camp. What does a player like you do during these two months, getting ready for training camp and the real yeah. test for these? Um, you know, are you in Green Bay right now? Will you stay in no. Green Bay? Or? I'm, in home, I'm at home right now in Connecticut. Um, just a lot of training, a lot of throwing, you know, working out, running, um, Going to be meeting with my quarterback coach a few times, um, who's up in Massachusetts. So I'll probably get together with a couple uh, receivers. I have a guy who I played high school against. His name is Irvin Phillips. Uh, he plays for the Bucks right now. 
So I'll probably meet up with him, a couple other tight ends that I know, and we'll get together and, and run some routes. But just staying sharp, being in my playbook, making sure I'm ready uh, come late July. But um, it'll be nice to get some, get some downtime as well, kind of clear my mind, you know, de-stress a little bit. So it'll be good. All right, so we're just going to go ahead and wrap it up here. Uh, we ask uh, everybody that, that comes on, who was your favorite athlete growing up? Favorite athlete growing up was Tom Brady. Really? It was, yeah. That, I mean, just being a, being, a, being a New England guy, you know, he was the guy around here. But, yeah, I mean, right now, I mean, being around Aaron and just seeing yeah. how much of a professional he is, I mean, that's he's he's probably taking number one right now. He's being it's, it's truthfully an honor being around him and just being able to learn from him every day. All right, so last question. Uh, what is your favorite sports memory all time? It can be personal or just, you know, something you watched. What is it? Yeah, I'd uh, – my junior year of college at UConn, uh, we were playing Houston, and they were ranked 17th in the nation. They were undefeated, and they played at UConn. So it was at Rensselaer, and uh, I played that game, and we won. The, 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 the crowd was on the field after, stormed the field. It was awesome. It was probably one of the happiest moments of my life from a football standpoint. So that definitely sticks out in my mind when when thinking about, you know, memorable moments. Mm -hmm. All right, so that's all the questions I have. Do you have any more, Charles? No, I think that's it. It's an absolute honor to talk mm -hmm. to you, Tim. Uh, we're yeah, I appreciate you guys calling. Yeah, I appreciate, yeah. You guys, um, I appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, reach out whenever you guys want to talk again, all right? All right, yeah, all right, cool. Thank you, Tim. Have a good one. You too. See you. All right, so we thank you guys for listening to our interview with uh, Tim Boyle. Again, we thank him uh, for spending some time with us, answering some of our questions. Like we said, it was an honor uh, to – be able to talk to a Packer, especially a quarterback. Um, he's an interesting guy to talk to because that, that quarterback room is full of talent. Brett Hundley, Kaiser, Aaron Rodgers all have started, you know, some games in the NFL. Uh, and he's kind of the odd man out. And it's interesting to see, you know, his experiences like that. Uh, but he was a great guy. It was a really fun interview. And, you know, we thank him a lot for spending some time with us. Yeah, it was awesome. Definitely a dream come true to talk to a Green Bay Packer. We are absolutely rooting for Tim. Um, we hope to get to talk to him here in the future even more. Um, but definitely an amazing person. Um, great quarterback. You watched some of his highlights in college. Um, you know, and some of the kind of a rumor, rumors coming out of Green Bay is he's playing very well. Um, but we're definitely rooting for him. I can't wait to get up there uh, in August and watch a spring or a spring training uh, training camp practice um, and see him. But Great guy, awesome interview, um, definitely was fun, and I hope to hear from him in the future. Yeah, kind of interesting, you know, he had pretty much four different coaches in college. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what happens when he does find some stability, and, you know, we'll see what happens there. But we are rooting for him, and again, we thank him for coming out and giving us his time. So, that's it for our show today. We want to thank our sponsors, D's Home Cuts and A's Lawn Service. We ask that you go on to iTunes, give us five stars, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, follow us on Twitter at TNT Sports Talk 12. DM us for questions, anything uh, if you want to be a guest on the show. Uh, you can listen to us on 12 Ounce tomorrow from 12 to 1. Uh, find us on YouTube now. Just search our name. Uh, that's a pretty easy way to listen to us if you don't have uh, an iPhone. Again, we thank, we big thanks to Tim Boyle. Uh, tune in on Thursday. We have another guest. Check it out on Twitter. It's it's pretty big again another big guest this is a big week for guests so look it up on twitter on wednesday we'll post it but other than that have a great day and tune in on thursday thank you go packers